0: What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to our weekly Sunday sermon podcast. As Pastor Kyle and Taryn are taking a time of sabbatical away from the campus and preaching to spend some intentional time with family and the Lord and get refreshed, they've been really intentional about setting us as a church body up for a time to continue growing even in their physical absence. We look forward to their return on August 8th, but get excited to be hearing until then from some of our other favorite pastors and leaders in our summer series called One. This is going to be a really special summer series where we'll keep on growing our faith and experiencing freedom in Christ as we receive from many voices the one cohesive message that God has given the church. Don't forget that you can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on Instagram or YouTube, our Facebook page, and our Fathom family Facebook group, and of course on the Church Center app. We hope to see you there. But for now, we're going to jump right into the message.
1: I'm going to tackle a big question that I'm sure we've heard a lot, and I'm I'm I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do the best job covering all of it. Okay. Um, but based on this passage of scripture, um, we have to wrestle with the question that I'm sure you've either heard before, um, or that you've thought and felt before. And the question is, how can a good God allow bad things to happen to people? How can a good God allow bad things to happen to people? Not only just people, but his children. How can a good God allow bad things to happen to those he calls his children right? Um, so uh, what we have to understand based on this question uh, in this passage of scripture is that if you are not a follower of Jesus, you'll never be able to understand it you'll, you you ju- you just you just don't you won't get it and so my first invitation to you is that you would. Trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, okay? And, and then you might be able to wrap your head around or at least walk through trials and suffering with a little bit of hope, joy, purpose, through the midst of whatever it is you're walking through. The reason why I know that is James first introduces himself in verse 1. He says, James, a servant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So James first off starts with a posture of humility with Jesus as Lord of his life. Okay? So it, it's evident that, G, that James, who who might I add, is the brother of Jesus, has his brother as his Lord and Savior. So Lordship means that James is saying, like, my brother. Who, who I knew died on the cross and was raised again, now has Lord over every area of my life, right? Okay, that means like my circumstances, that means what I do, what I, where I go, what I put in my body, the things that I say, what I participate in. He's saying, my brother Jesus, he has it all. So there's only one thing that can make that kind of change in someone's life, right? So you, you try to convince your brother or sister, if you have one, or a best friend, that you are God, right? It's not happening. I've got two older sisters, and they would laugh in my face, and they would, you know, they'd be like, listen, I, I, I know you. You are not God, right? So the only thing that could be transformative in James's life is the fact that he saw his brother alive, and then he saw his brother die, and then he saw his brother alive again. Right. So he had a transformation, a transformation where he says, Jesus, my brother is now Lord and Savior of my life. OK, so I, I say all that because apart from un- like what we're going to talk about today, you won't be able to understand how a good God will allow things, bad things, trials and suffering to happen. Right. A good God to allow those things to happen. So it's, it's, it's a problem of, of lordship. You have to surrender your life to Jesus. Okay to be able to understand it. And I get, I get that, that that question normally comes from a hard place, right? People don't ask that question whoever walked through a trial or, a, or suffering, right? We, we ask that question because we've experienced hurt, right? And we kind of want answers to these things. We've had, um, we've walked through miscarriages. We've walked through infertility. We've walked through divorce. We've walked through persecution we've walked through loss of a family member dying of cancer or a global pandemic and we've walked through these things and we, we we want answers right and we want to be able to to have to make some kind of reason out of these things and so people a lot of times they also come to this question if you're not a believer they they say this to be able to to try to undermine you in your faith right I've actually had so many conversations with people who claim to not believe in a God because of suffering and trials. And I've had conversations sitting across the table from someone who says it to try to undermine my faith, but the very fact, very fact that I believe in a good God actually gives me hope in the midst of trials, right? It doesn't undermine my faith. The fact that a good God could allow this actually gives me hope in the midst of the trial. That God's doing something in and through it. So, the problem is, though, is that in our culture, we elevate self, right? We elevate self. We don't want to feel pain, right? Like, you can see that in relationships. As soon as a relationship gets hard with someone who's either betrayed you or hurt you, it's like, I don't want to feel that, I'm going to run, right? Or or like whatever whatever matters to me most is most important so i'm going to do everything i can to, to satisfy myself right so so we we live in a culture that elevates self self preservation self satisfaction so so any time that something bad happens it can't be from a good god right so two different things lordship you have to surrender your life to jesus but we also have to deny ourselves and live for that jesus right in order to understand how a good God can allow trials and suffering to our lives. So, uh, what I want to do today is, first, I want to encourage you, if you're walking through something hard today, that that it's not purposeless, that God's doing something in and through your life, okay? Um, Just hold on. Don't give up too soon. And I want you to be encouraged through this text. Second thing is, is... I want you to be able to use this, these points that we're going to talk about today, as a way to share the gospel with people that have this doubt, okay? Um, So, we all have people in our lives who are not believers, maybe because of this. So, you can use this text and the points that we're talking about today to be able to to defend the hope that you have, right? Peter says this. He says, Be ready to, to give a defense in and out of every season for the hope that you have within you. Right? So you need to be able to defend the hope that you have no matter what you're walking through. Okay. So God shapes us by faith in the midst of trials. First thing I want you to know through this passage of of scripture is that you can find joy. You can find joy in the midst of your trials. If you look at verse two, James says, Count it all joy, my brothers. Don't you hate when you're going through something hard or some kind of struggle? And somebody walks up to you and they're like, where's your faith or where's your joy? You know what I mean? Doesn't that make you just like want to punch something? <laughs> like, that's like the most frustrating thing. So James is actually talking about something other than just a a feeling. He's talking about like a state of being. In fact, the way that we can define joy this morning is this: Joy is a state of being rather than an emotion. It's a settled, contentment in every situation or an unnatural reaction of deep, steady, and unadulterated, thankful trust in God. Okay? So, don't miss that. It's a state of being. It's not an emotion. Like, you don't have to be happy all the time to be able to have joy, right? Like, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus actually says, blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because they will be comforted. So the expectation is that we will mourn. We live in a broken, fallen world where we'll experience hardship and pain, right? But Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted, right? So we're not trying to act like like everything's good and everything's dandy, like putting on, like, I don't know when it became like a norm to be able to come to church and fake that everything is always good, because it's not, right? What we need to be able to do is to be able to say, listen, Things aren't going well, but I'm content in my creator. No matter what I'm walking through, like, yeah, sure, I'm sad, but I'm content today in who God is and who he has called me as his child. And I know, I know that what I'm walking through has a purpose, right? Actually, in this passage of scripture, this is, this is really good. This is really good. In this passage of scripture, the word joy in Greek is charon. Okay, so who cares? Okay. So this, I know, it just sounds fancy. So um, this literally is translated recognition of grace. So what James is saying, they count it all part of God's grace when you walk through trials of various kinds. Isn't that, isn't that good? You can... And like I said, that's not acting like everything's good, but you can recognize that the the grace of God is in your life in the midst of trials and suffering. You're you're content in who he is, right? In the person of God, and the character of God. You're content in him. It's settled. No matter what I'm walking through, no matter what season of life, God is always good. And his grace is always sufficient for me. In fact, um, a, a while back I was talking to a friend of mine I was talking to a friend of mine who his dad had just been recently diagnosed with a brain tumor. And, um, and so I get on the phone, I'm like, hey man, how you doing? He's like, I'm good. And we go on for a minute and he's like, man, listen, Caleb, I lied to you. I'm like, We're not even, we haven't even talked about anything yet. What do you mean? He's like, I'm not good. I said, I'm not good, but God is good. So I'm good. Like, he was walking through something hard. His dad had just been diagnosed with a brain tumor. He said, listen, I'm not good, but I know that God is good, right? So that's why I'm good. That's what this looks like. Recognize God's grace in the midst of your trials. This is how we have joy, right? It's contentment in Christ and who he is in a good and loving father. Not only can you have joy, second thing I want you to see is that you can have confidence in the midst of your trials. Look at verse three. Look at verse three. I want you to see it in the text. He says, for you know. right? That's confidence. You know. What do you, what do you know? You're confident in the promises and the word of God, right? That you worship a good and loving father that no matter what you walk through, it's for your good and for, and for his glory. Actually, look at um, Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28. It should be on the screen. It says, um, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purposes. This is a promise that you can hold on to, right? So that no matter what you walk through, you can say, I know that God is working it out for my good, so I can I can be confident today. Are you walking through something hard? right now? You can stand tall. Not stand tall like the self-help kind of culture that we live in. You can stand tall on the promises and on the Word of God that, that, that it is true, that it is good for you, that He is good, and that no matter what season of life you walk through, God is good. And His promises will never, never fail you. And we, we tend to, we can't tend to question, right? We, we tend to question, why, why does this happen? Does this happen? And that's okay. That's okay. I believe that's okay. Actually, in, um, in verse five through eight, in verses five through eight, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, says, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, With no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So he's saying, listen, it's okay to, to wonder, to question what's going on. He says, you can have wisdom in the midst of your trial. Just ask God for it. He's going to give it to you. But there's two different ways that we tend to ask this question, right? There's two different ways. We can say, um, an emphasis on, like, why is this happening to me, right? That's, that's kind of like an arrogant approach, like saying, like, of all people, I serve you, right? You call me your child, right? I go to church. I'm faithful to you. Why, why, why would you let this happen to me, of all people, right? So that's, that's one approach, and, and, and that's, that's questioning the character of God. It's questioning the goodness of God, But the way that that James is telling us to ask for wisdom is saying, why? Why is this happening to me? Right? You see, the emphasis is different. Instead of saying, why is this happening to me? You're saying, why? Questioning, okay, like, what are you doing? Like, why? Let me search for the reason. Let me search for the answer so that I can find, like, what it is that you're doing so I can see the grace, so I can see your goodness in it. Why? Why? Show me so that I can worship you in the midst of this trial so that I can have hope in the midst of this. You see the difference there? One of the the illustrations that we can see is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's in Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 46. And, And Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, is about to go to the cross. Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 46. We're not going to cover the whole uh, passage of Scripture. I'm just going to summarize it for you. But y'all know in this passage of Scripture, Jesus knows what he's about to do. He's about to go to the cross, right? He's about to go to the cross. He's going to die for our sins. He's going to take on the suffering of the world, right? Or, or, Or the punishment of sin on his shoulders at the cross, And so he prays on three different occasions. On three different occasions, he says, God, if there's any way that you can take this cup, meaning this cup of wrath from me, he said, let's do it. Like if there's any other way. But then he says, not my will, but your will be done. Like Jesus is modeling what it looks like to be able to walk through what he knows is going to be hard and saying, listen, God, whatever it is that you're calling me to do, whatever it is that you're taking me to, whatever you're walking me through, it's your will. May your will be done and not mine. And, and Jesus, what he's doing is he's posturing himself underneath the sovereignty of his father to know that no matter what, God is going to glorify himself. That's why he went to the cross. That's why he died for you and I because he was glorifying his father by going to the cross for you and I. Another one of the promises that we can hold on to is Romans chapter 8, 32. Romans 8, 32 says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You see what this text says? I want you to see the text for what it says. You could be confident because a God who was willing to sacrifice his son for you would would spare nothing for you. Right? He says, I'm willing to sacrifice my son because that's how much I love you. Do you not trust me? Have confidence in me that I'm going to get you through it. That I'm going to take care of you in and through this. He's given us everything that we need. In Christ, he's saying, if I'm not going to spare my own son, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to give you everything that you need in Christ. That's the goodness goodness of God. So you can have confidence. You can stand confidently that God is doing something in and through you in the midst of your trials. So you can have joy, you can have confidence, but you can also have purpose. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. He says, for you know that your confidence, that the testing of your faith produces, produces. This is the promise that God is producing something in and through your life, through the trial that you're walking through. God is doing something. He's making you out into something, and that's forming you into the image of his son, Jesus. And he uses uses trials oftentimes to be able to do that. You say, we can, we can look at so many different examples of how this actually, like, comes to play in the world, right? Think about, like, the beautiful things that are produced through, like, trying, through suffering, or even through the fire, right? Think about, like, um, an ironsmith. How he forges metal to be able to make a beautiful piece of art, right? What does he do first? He puts it in the fire, right? They put it in the fire so that he can shape and he can mold it. Think about like um, even farming, like you have to work, you have to till, you have to work the land. It's it's hard labor so that you can b- produce a beautiful crop. James uses these illustrations all throughout the book of James. Not only that, not only that, you know how a goldsmith a goldsmith knows when he has the purest gold. So first what he does is he puts it into a cistern and he heats it up so that the impurities rise to the surface. And then what he does is he scoops it away and then he turns the heat up a little bit more. Right? And then he scoops away the impurities. And when he knows that it's at the purest form is when he looks into the gold and he sees his own reflection. He knows that it's ready. That's what Jesus does in our lives. That's what God does in our lives. Sometimes he puts us through the fire. He puts us through the fire so that he can reveal the impurities in our lives so that he can make us more into the image of Jesus Christ. What he's doing is sometimes he's trying us so that our sins can be exposed so that we can confess those and repent, the, re- repent of those and reflect the image of Jesus more and more. He says that... It, it's it's making making you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's what God wants to do. He wants to make you into the image of Jesus. So my my wife um, and I we, we walked through a long season. Not I wouldn't even say that we're completely out um, of of trials. So when we first helped plant this church with Kyle, Pastor Kyle and Taryn. Um, we started trying to have children biologically, right? And so we were told that we had a 0.1% chance to have a child biologically. And um, so we walked through like this long season of just like, just heartache and infertility and, and walking through all that. And God took us on this incredible journey of adoption. It, it wasn't easy, by any means but god blessed us with two incredibly beautiful little girls campbell and collins one's five and one's three um well something special happened with um our second her name's collins um so we we got a call right we we had started the adoption process for for our second girl um i'll have to back up a little bit actually when okay so when you, when you go through adoption, there's not a store of kids where you walk and say, "I want that one," you know, like you don't just like pick it out. Which I, I don't blame you. That's kind of what I thought it was beforehand. That's not that's not how it works, right? Um, so we went through an, ado- an adoption agency, and they give you this like long questionnaire that you have to fill out four or five times to ask like what you're comfortable with when you adopt children, right? Um, so they have like they have different races, ethnicities. They have disabilities. Like what the birth mother used um, as far as like drugs or, or any kind of substance or, you know, like uh, diseases that the the mother might have had, anything like that, you know. And so um, we um, said we weren't comfortable with any disabilities, right, the first time we filled it out. And, and the the adoption um, organization that we went through, um, you know, they, they know that people change their mind throughout the process, right? So we said we're not, you know, we're not comfortable with any disabilities financially. We can't, we can't handle that. You know, we can't. There's a lot that goes on with that. We're just not familiar with the the disability world or anything like that. Well, six months before we got the call about Collins, um, my wife Casey, who's way more spiritual than I am, um, calls me and she's like, "I was just praying this morning in my time alone with the Lord, and she's like, I feel like God wants us to." um, be open to special needs. Um, she said specifically, um, Down syndrome. So I was like, you know, let's, you know, let's do it, you know, that that's fine with me. Um, so we called our, um, our caseworker uh, the next day and just said, listen, we prayed about it. We want to, we want to say we're open to certain disabilities, you know? And she was like, okay, you know, that's cool. I just want, want you to know what you might be getting yourself into, right? so we talked through that and we're like you know what we're just going to trust god with this wholeheartedly i don't know what to expect or anything um well six months later we get a call um, from our caseworker and the mother who chose uh, my wife and i to to parent her daughter um uh, sh- she didn't do things the best way we'll just leave it like that um as far as taking care of her health and so when Collins was born they said um they said she not might not make it right she not might not make it and so are you guys still in and so my heart at the time our hearts many cases was you know we can't um we prayed for a girl um who is uh, who are we to say that this isn't good enough you know or we prayed for a child who who are we to say that this this isn't good enough so we said you know what we don't want this child to be born and die without parents so we're gonna do that um well a couple of days later um, my timeline might be wrong my wife's probably laughing at my timeline so ask her if you want a real timeline maybe it was the next day i don't know a couple days later um said well sh- she's not gonna she's not gonna die she's gonna make it um but there's there seems to be something pretty severely wrong with her and so um so it said kept on saying you know are, are you still in we're so like yeah, you know we're in we're we're in this. You know we're trusting the Lord. So not knowing what that looks like, and um, I'd probably say for the next, you know we we got Collins into our lives, and the next three to six months were the hardest months of our entire lives. Um, not knowing what she needed, um, going through genetic testing, um, finding out different diagnoses that could be or could not be it, just questions, struggling, walking through tears, being as angry as I've ever been in my entire life at this whole process. What God did through the trial was expose all the sin in my life in the midst of this trial. And I, I want to be clear that Collins, our daughter, is not a trial. The circumstances that we walked through with her, were the trial. But what God did was show how shallow I was and that I needed to confess that. What God did was show how I idolized convenience in my own life to the fact that if it, if it rubbed it up against my own preferences, that I would get angry about it. I had to confess that. and still confessing things like that. But he exposed was, was greed in my own heart, right? My lack of faith in who God was. And through the midst of that trial, I had to clean, I mean, I can go through my, my, my morning journals and I can just see crying out to God, looking for answers, asking why, why are you doing this? Like, what is going on? And on the tail end of that, what I can tell you is I can see that God was, was shaping me and my wife. He's shaping, he's shaping our daughter, Campbell, to have a heart that's different than, than a lot of people's expectations. He he, he shapes us in the midst of trials. But here's the deal, is that we tend to run when it gets hard. When God says, lean in, because the light is at the end of the tunnel. There's something good for you at the end of this. Just don't abandon the process. You might be in that right now. You might be in a trial or walking through some kind of season and you're like teetering on the point of should I run or should I stay? Should I lean into God or should I abandon it altogether? I want you to know that on the other side, there is goodness for you. There is grace for you. There's purpose. There's joy even in the midst of it. Just don't cling on to the wrong thing. Cling on to Jesus. Hold on to him in the midst of it. And in, in verse 12, you can actually see that, that we, have, we have hope, right? We have hope in the midst of our trials. And this is what I want us to see, right? Every single person walks through trials, right? I, I had a, a seminary professor tell me that everybody is between two different posts in life. Either it's a victory or it's a trial. It doesn't matter who you are, right? Like, you're in between a victory or trial, no matter what state, like, we've all experienced highs, we've all experienced lows. But listen, like, taking God out of the equation takes your hope out of the equation. Right? Taking God of it says that this is purposeless. Like, I've heard, heard people say, like, thank the universe. Like, for what? Like, what did the universe do for you? Like, that's... And you say that, that Christians have blind faith. Like, there's no testimony to the universe except for, like, hurricanes that destroy our coasts. Like, it's, our, our universe is unjust because it's in a fallen, broken world that God is one day going to restore, right? Take God out of the equation. You have no hope. So we, as followers of Jesus, we have the greatest hope no matter what we walk through. In verse 12, it says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. It says, For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. What James is doing is he's looking at the end game. Right? Not just at the end of your trial, the midst of the trial, but the fact that Jesus is going to return. Right? And those who... Those who have remained faithful to him will receive the crown of life. They'll get to enter into the joy of their father for an eternity. Like things aren't going to be broken. Praise God that one day God is going to restore all things back to the way that he created, where there's no more suffering. There are no trials, where there's just joy forevermore. But God is patient and coming because he wants more to know him, right? I think it's First Peter says that, that God is not God, God is not slow in the way that we think that God would be slow, but He patiently endures, wishing that no man should perish. Like He wants more people to come to faith in Jesus before He restores th- restores things. That's our job to go and tell people about the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. When the outside world looks looks at us and say, "Listen, I know that right now it doesn't look good." In my life, and I can still rejoice and I have hope, but not only that, that Jesus is going to return and he's going to make all things new. to create a new heaven, a new earth, where my daughter Collins, where she doesn't have legs that work right now, she's going to run to the arms of her father. Where she can't eat, she's going to feast at the table of her heavenly father. And that gives us hope. That gives us hope. In James chapter 5, verse 7 through 8, he says this, the same thing. He says, be patient. Five verse seven through it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early, um, the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I think this is one of the greatest um, downfalls of the American church, is that we've forgotten that Jesus is going to return. We live like Christ isn't coming again. Like over and over in, te- in, in Scripture, it says, be ready. Like a thief in the night, he's going to return. So like, if, what, what, what would it look like if every Christian believer actually lived like Christ was going to return one day? Don't you think that would put a little more pep in our step? a little more joy in our hearts, a little more confidence in our lives, a little more gospel sharing about the good news of Jesus Christ, that we can be redeemed, we can be saved, we can be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus is going to return. He's going to return and he's going to make all things new again. So, you can have hope. You can have hope that no matter what you're walking through, Jesus is going to return. And then, last point. I want you to see is that you can look to Jesus. Okay, so you can have joy in the midst of your trials. You can have confidence in the midst midst of your trials. You can have purpose in the midst of your trials. You can have hope in the midst of your trials. And then you look to Jesus. Look to Jesus in the midst of your trials. If you turn um, to Hebrews chapter 12, verse one through three, Hebrews chapter 12, verses one through three, it says this. It should be on the screen if you don't have it. It says, therefore, So what does he say? What is the author of Hebrews saying here? He's saying, as you run this race, look to Jesus. As you walk through trials and suffering, look to Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. So as you walk through your trials, you look through Jesus. You know that what the joy that was set before Jesus was, do you know who that was? You. Jesus went to the cross in joy because he had your name on his heart. He said, "I'm going to endure this suffering for you." because you are my joy. It's crazy how the same word endurance here is the same word in Greek for endure in James. Persevere, endure, endure to the end. So your joy through the midst of your trial and suffering is looking at Jesus while his joy through the trials and suffering was looking at you. He, he went to the cross for you. So we lay down our lives. We trust him in everything. Because we have, we have a father, a savior, who can, who can empathize with us in everything. In, in Hebrews chapter 4, I didn't give them this passage of Scripture, but says, it says this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect was tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. He says that Jesus can empathize with your weaknesses and your trials because he was tempted, yet he did not sin. That's our hope. I love how Andrew was talking about like, our failures throughout the week. like Whatever it was, we, we, we might have struggled with something, we might have walked through something, but where we fell, fail or fell, Jesus did not fall or fail. And so that's what the gospel is. You might have fallen throughout this trial. You might be falling right now, but Jesus didn't, so cling to him. You might be struggling, but Jesus, Jesus was victorious. So that means that you are victorious. Stand up. Don't run when it's getting hard but look to Jesus who stayed for you. He stayed. I hope that's helpful. I hope that right now God is calling you in your heart to find the joy that you need, to see the hope, to see the purpose, that he's shaping you into the image of Jesus. I started out by saying you can't understand it apart from faith in Jesus. And that's true. That's true. And my invitation to you today is if you have not placed your faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that you would do that today. I'm gonna invite everybody to to bow their eyes, bow their heads, close their eyes. I just want a moment, I just want a moment for you to, first of all, just, you could be honest with God and just tell him, you can't do it. Just say, I can't do this anymore. In your heart and your mind, say, thank you, Jesus, for doing it for me. And I want you to ask in your heart of hearts, say, Jesus, would you give me strength to endure? Ask God in faith, say, God, can you show me what you're doing? I don't know what it is. I don't know why it's this way, but would you show me? And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ today, I want you to, for the first time to just say, Jesus, would you save me? Just confess your sins to him. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, that I have fallen short, but I trust you as my Lord and Savior. And just surrender your heart to him. Say, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the Lord of my heart, the Lord of my eyes, the Lord of my mouth, the Lord of my feet, the Lord of my hands. Tell him that. Say, God, take it all and transform me from the inside out. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person that's in this room that you brought here for a reason. Maybe it's because they're walking through something hard. I pray that they would find hope in your word today. Not only that, that they would find hope in the living and risen Savior Jesus Christ. I pray that so- somebody here today moved from death to life through faith in you. I pray that you bless this church with the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would fill this place with people who are ready to tell the world about the hope that they have within them. I pray all these things, your powerful you. name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, fathom beyond sunday and there you'll find our new podcast you'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations just taking the truth of god's word from our sunday sermon a step further talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between monday and saturday not just on sunday we love you we're praying for you and we hope you'll tune in again soon